Welcome to American Players Theater Talk Backs to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange chats with actors Jonathan Smoots and Sarah Day about APT's production of Edward Albee's Seascape. We're talking today about Edward Albee's Seascape, and we have with us Sarah Day, who plays Nancy, and Jonathan Smoots, who plays Charlie. Uh, unfortunately, Laura Gordon, who's the director, isn't able to be with us today, but she has uh, directed the play in Milwaukee uh, eight years ago, so she's bringing a fresh perspective to this year's production at APT. And uh, Sarah and Jonathan, you play a, a couple who are of an age, as you might say. <laughs> mm. um, how, how old are, do you think you are? I'm I'm comfortable going with the age I am, and I'm not comfortable telling you what that is. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few and, secrets about this play. That's one of them. I'm, I'm guessing I seem to be retired in the play. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm probably a little older than I actually am in real life, unless I retired early, which is also a possibility. <laughs> so so of, of a retirement-ish age, and you've been married a long time, and... Um, uh, what what do you know about the relationship between your two characters? If I'm if I'm of retirement age, we've been married for forty five years. Mm-hmm. We know each other well, and like couples who've been together a long time and know each other really well, you probably have some uh, uh, ups and downs in the relationship. Very much so. <laughs> yes, we seem to be on a bit of a down right at the start of the play. Are you on a similar path? Would you say? We seem to be, <laughs> we seem to have hit a place where we're uh, possibly going to part or find common ground, one way or another, and that's that's one of the conflicts in the play. But not not that one's. It's it's the undercurrent of the entire play, of what's going to happen with uh, Charlie and and Nancy. Are they going to find a way to be happy together again? And I think what I love about Nancy is I feel as though she's making the discovery of that empty nest provides a very happy place right now, that there is so much adventure and possibility out in the world, that there's this new lease on life of not having other responsibilities. And she begins the play by really wanting to wanting to be at the beach this beach or another beach or just on a beach and just seeing the different possibilities that life brings for this sort of this final chapter this final third chapter of life and um and she's i think she feels a little held back by um by where their marriage is right now that he's a little more sedentary uh willing to accept what's going on and she's she's open to a few possibilities yeah my character charlie seems to be stuck in a in a spot he needs, and he's, they had a sticking place one time earlier in their marriage many years ago. And I, in a way, the description of that sticking spot seems similar to what's happening right now. It's, it's almost as if my character is going, th- I, I'd like to joke in real life that I'm, I'm going through my, uh, what's, what's it called, midlife crisis? I'm going through my fourth midlife crisis right now. <laughs> I think Charlie's doing the same thing. When you mentioned uh, the undercurrents, which I thought was just a perfect uh, uh, phrase for this play, because of course it has a lot to do with water and the beach and the setting. And uh, child, Charlie had a childhood dream of submerging himself in water, and uh, that kind of is an image that Albie plays with. Um, and I don't know if either of you ever uh, read or saw the the complete play, but it was originally one act longer, and the uh, the missing act was under the sea. 
Yeah, Laura told me that. I hadn't. I didn't know that, and I certainly never saw it, or read it, for that matter. Well, and, and when the play moved to Broadway in 1975, they cut that out because it was uh, not so easy to stage. But, <laughs> but there was recently uh, someone um, in the past decade who did do the, the missing third act. Wow. But, um, it's, it's not being done at APT, so you don't have to bring raincoats or whatever right. <laughs> to see this one. Um, and the reaction to this play has been unusual, in part because it is an unusual play, but um, the... Uh, the reaction to it in when it was published was um, largely negative, but the public loved it, and he actually received a Pulitzer Prize for it. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think it, it has uh, such an appeal? Well, we've talked about uh, the, the depths and resonances of the play. It's, it's, um, it's a really fascinating piece um, because it works on a while the set needs to be absolutely realistic, there are some fantastic elements about the play. Um, and it works on an almost magical or supernatural level in some ways. So it's very, um, it's, it speaks, it doesn't just tell a pedestrian ordinary story. It's a very elevated poetic story in a perfectly ordinary environment, a beach, um, with some extraordinary uh, events and characters that occur. I think, I think that's fascinating. I think, and I also think, I just reread it this morning, um, and I think that it's, um, I think there's a lot of humor in the play too. It's, I think it's going to be one of those ones where the audience is going to teach us really where the humor is, but I think, I'm guessing, if my instincts are correct, there's tons of humor in the play. And what do you mean by the audience will teach you where the humor is? They laugh, and you need to hold your next line until they're finished laughing. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, our audiences always teach us, and the APT's audiences. Go ahead, Sarah. What are the APT audiences? They're the best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Laura speaks. Yeah, Laura, Sarah speaks to that. Um, more often and more strongly than uh, any member of the company here, but but we all feel it. Um. Well, and the fact that this is one of the hottest selling tickets for this season, even though um, I don't think there's been a production of it, well, this, since Milwaukee eight years ago, but um, it, it's not something that most people would have seen, certainly, unless they happen to have seen that one and, and wouldn't have read in school, for instance. Um, and this is one of those plays that I've known about since, I've known about forever. But I had never read it until I saw the Reps production eight years ago. That, that was my first exposure to it. Um, but it, it I, don't, I don't, what can I say about it? It, it, it's, it? it speaks directly to people's inner selves. Not, it just doesn't go into your brain. It kind of goes into your, in, in, I, know, I know what I was thinking. Uh, it, it describes in a poetic way, as all good plays do, what it means to be a human being. And it, and it says, and it depicts that idea of being a human being and all, everything that that means in a very starkly contrasted way with the events that happen in the play. 
Well, I, th I think that, that that's really a profound way to analyze it. The, the APT official description is that it's a, a love story told in, with, through a quirky marriage counseling session. <laughs> and, and it does talk about the relationship between the two of you and, and what that means, but I think that Albee also talks about what it means to be human <clears throat> and also um, evolution, the idea that we have evolved from the sea and that use of the sea again. And um, he apparently said that this play was merely speeding up the evolutionary transition from mere glop to, quote, tangerines and string quartets. And I assume that that's one of the lines that you have, Jonathan, yes. um, implying that such an amazing thing could and did happen. So it's a play that takes some risks, obviously, to talk about our evolution from glop to this couple lying on the beach. Um, are, are, is there a specific country that it's set in? I mean, is it a, um, pretty abstract, would you say? No, it's American. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's American. About going up the I always, yeah, uh, I always sense definitely. that we're on the East Coast, I, yeah. I, I suspect. Um, although uh, Nancy says she would like to be on any beach, West Coast, South American coast, <laughs> Spanish coast, doesn't matter. Um, but I think in this instance, we're probably near where we live, which I suspect is like New England or the eastern seaboard somewhere. And he's implying, I think, that marriages change over time, um, not always for the better. One, th one of the things that these characters say out loud is that they are, the, they are the only sex partners that either of them has ever had. They've been absolutely exclusive, and we were our first, our first loves, and we've been together for, as I said, 45 years, so that's something. And, and, but what you're seeing is it isn't, it isn't just a, a therapy session for a marriage. It's, it's about, as I said, it's about being human, but it's also about being a mature human and struggling. It's looking forward to death and dying and looking forward to how can I still make a difference in the world, this world, even though my children, my wife tells me in the play that our children are grown up. They're taking care of themselves. They're, they're spinning their own, their own life stories. We're not part of that anymore. So needing to find meaning, purpose, uh, joy, looking forward. And certainly the author of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf doesn't always paint a very rosy picture <laughs> of marriage. Have you ever, either of you ever been in? Oh, I would Virginia love Wolf. to someday. No, I've never been in that show. Up for no. that, Sarah? No, <laughs> it's a pretty frightening, frightening image of of marriage. But again, it's told through um, four characters, as this play is, with um, you know different perspectives from from both sets of characters. The love that we have for each other in this play is is more open and less uh, conflicted than the love in <laughs> Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. In what way is the play poetic? Well, the, you mentioned that when I was a child, I loved to, uh, I used to take two stones and walk out into the sea and let myself sink to the bottom of the sea and, and just sit there and look around. And that's clearly a metaphor for something. <laughs> now, I think as the play goes on, you figure you, that image of somebody being all alone, floating to the bottom of the sea, what does that mean? Who was he as a little boy? What, but clearly, it's a poetic metaphor. That's just one example. There are there are 
stark and <laughs> big, big uh, examples of that. And and to follow that thread, um, Sarah, would you say that Nancy might be more comfortable with being on the land and with other people? Exactly. I think that I think she I think she's a little bit more female in the sense of of uh, of wanting to be around others, of nurturing and and of of being on the land. She's very happy to be watching the sea and not necessarily needing to be below it and alone. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps also a, a, some investigation of of the relationship between male and female and mm-hmm. what it, what it means to be either gender. Mm-hmm. as well as what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. This is going to be a very special experience for, for playgoers at APT, and I'm, I'm so uh, pleased that you were able to tell us about it today. Thank you it's, very much. It's Thank a beautiful you. play. Thank you. Talk Backs to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports, Pro Video and Film, and Audio for the Arts. Your host is Orange Schroeder, I'm Buzz Kemper. Our music is by Steve Tibbetts and is used by permission of the artist. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.